This is a Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. Today's topic is going to kind of be a second part of the previous topic. But the topic is going to be battles are won and lost in the mind. But first a prayer. All that I am, all that I have. All that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, amen. Jesus' name I pray. So, the topic title, I wish I could lay credit for this, but I'm not a saint. And the topic title is actually a quote from a saint. For the uninitiated, St. Joan of Arc, who at the age of 17, I've talked about her at least on St. Longinus' podcast, um, was a 17-year-old girl in the 1400s who St. Michael and... I want to say St. Catherine of Alexandria and another saint appeared to and told her that she had a mission from God to drive out the English out of France, who at that time, if I'm understanding the history correctly, were occupying the northern part of France. And... That period of history is known as the Hundred Years' War. Now, when exactly did she got her heavenly mission during the Hundred Years' War? Um, I'm not sure. Not at this point. Maybe later I will be, but that's not the important part. The, the quote that battles are won and lost in the mind... Um ah uh, is <laughs> it's attributed to her, and the reason I say it's attributed to her because I uh, obviously it being the internet and Vatican II sect members being you know the majority of the and I put this inverted qu- uh quotes Catholics on the internet. I'm not sure if it's an actual quote or not, but either way, from a spiritual perspective, it's spot on. So if she said it, great. If she didn't, it's still valid concept. Now, for those of you who did not hear the previous podcast uh, episode, um... I talked about how the soul corrupts the mind. The soul corrupts the mind. And so I hope I haven't bitten off more than I can chew. We'll see. Um the the concept of battles being won and lost in the mind. As I said in my earlier episode, can be either applied in the natural realm or the spiritual realm. 
Now, in the natural realm, you're more, uh, you're more successful generals in wartime do not allow what seem to be insurmountable odds to stop them from winning a battle. Because in their mind, they have the ability to turn things to their advantage. In the spiritual realm, there's two aspects. The first aspect is, if your soul has some corruption in it, strictly from a spiritual sense, your prayers are not going to have the same amount of um, power that they should. But also, too, if your soul has corruption in it, then, and heaven forbid that you should be enslaved to a particular sin, but it's also, if you're enslaved to a particular sin, it's going to affect your mind, how you think and act. Um... So, in the spiritual battle, um, you you want your and I, I touched upon this briefly in the first part of, of the last episode. In the spiritual battle, you want your your soul as clean as it can be, so that um. Your mind is uncorrupted by your sins so that you can use the clear thinking that you get with a clear soul or as clear as you can get it. Because if you're corrupted by a particular sin or not just a, a, a mixture of sins, you're not, you're not going to be able to recognize. Some you might be able to recognize, others are not and they're going to remain dormant and hidden and you can't fight what you can't see you can't fight what you don't understand so spiritual clarity is an absolute necessity in the spiritual fight um i mean i i know some a long time yeah okay yeah you pound that um, but just like the Trinity is united into one person, your body, um, soul and mind are united in one body. So, and by the way, um, even in the natural realm, let's just say, well, never mind. So if you're if your mind is in any way corrupted, your thinking is going to be corrupted. And all three, just like the Trinity works in tandem for a common purpose, our being, our being as human beings are supposed to be united in purpose. 
One of the great things, I'm not going to say great, I'm sorry. One of the bad things about today's culture and society is, is compartmentalization. We've compartmentalized what, what should be a really relevant concept, as I said in my last episode, really doesn't get talked about. And that's the unity of purpose. If, you're, if you've been corrupted by the society and culture around us into thinking, well, um, oh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've got my church side, I've got my job side, and I've got my family side. That's that that is a misunder uh, misunderstanding of our purpose. Our understanding, or I'm yeah, our spiritual understanding, or our spiritual person, or I'm sorry, understanding. Our spiritual understanding is supposed to be that our body, our mind, and our soul are united in one purpose. In other words. There is no family side. There is no job side. There is no... You're the same person with your family as you are on the job, as you are in church. And by the way, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this in passing on several episodes. To my knowledge, as of this recording, I don't believe I've gone into it in detail. So, um, but I, I don't, I don't think that, well, it is as far as the people who are secular go, if you're doing everything without, uh, reference to God, then, you know, this concept is either going to sound foreign to them or it's going to sound like a bunch of crazy talk. But to those who consider themselves true Catholics, um, this concept um, should, should sound uh, logical. Honestly. Now, the temptation, especially with true Catholic or what they prefer to be called the Sedvacantists, is they want to blame everything on Vatican II. They want to blame everything on today's culture and society, not realizing that once the Protestant revolt happened, that was the seeds of destruction for Catholic belief. Everything, oh, thank you, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus. Quick disclaimer, I'm not claiming infallibility on this. These are just my ideas. You're free to accept or reject as you will. End of disclaimer. Oh, one other thing too. It has come to my understanding that, um, that whenever anyone uses a disclaimer, that somehow or another, it's not valid. 
you know, they're just saying it for re legal reasons. Um, when I give my disclaimers, there's nothing legal about it. Nothing I say, well, <laughs> we are talking about today. So I, I, I'm, I'm sure the people that are actively hostile to Catholicism, um, they're looking for an excuse. But the disclaimers I give are for um, out of charity's sake. Because this is, you know, this is my thought on it. If, if people who aren't either spiritually or intellectually equipped to listen to what I have to say without flying off the handle and acting emotionally, the disclaimer is necessary on its basis. Now, personally, myself, I would just love to, to as they said in Seinfeld, spout off like Mussolini from the balcony. But because I'm trying to be pious and devout, out of the sake of charity, I like to warn potential listeners of where I'm coming from. As you know, whether or not they accept it, once I give the disclaimer, it's out of my hands. But you know, this this isn't some sort of legalese to get me get me out of internet jail. And by the way, there is no such thing as staying out of internet jail. I, I've been witness to dozens of YouTubers who followed the YouTube's terms of services and still got yeeted off of YouTube because somebody cried, whined, and complained about what they said. So, in the sake of divine providence, if I get yeeted off my platforms, I get yeeted. And a disclaimer. So, um, sin, oh, that's right. Okay, so since the Protestant Reformation and the Masons have been good little Satanists and you know, they've got the father of darkness working on their side. If they had come out in the 15th century, I'm sorry, the 16th century and said something along the lines of, well, our mission is to overthrow, um, over, overthrow belief in God and corrupt society and culture to the point where Natural biology is denied and people, people's thinking becomes so corrupted and weak that they'll accept anything if it sounds reasonable to them. I guarantee you, there, we wouldn't have masonry. <laughs> We'd still have Christendom. But like anything else, they realized before before we can realize our plans in their completion, 
we have to, to weaken the one institution that's standing in our way. And that's what they did. And as a matter of fact, they, they haven't weakened the institution. They've overthrown the physical institution. Because God's church, you know, the churches, the, the Vatican, you know, Vatican Square, the shrines and all that, those are the physical manifestations of God's church. But God being a spirit, you can't, you know, and Satan knows this too. He can't overthrow God. He can only do what God allows. So that's what they did. To the point now where people who should know better, and they should, think that all the problems began, you know, um, some, some of the more intelligent will say, well, Pope Pius X wrote against modernism. And because society has become so atomized, depending on the set of contests slash true Catholic you talk to, when, when society became modernist will vary on the person. But the seed was in the Protestant revolt. The seeds were planted in the Protestant revolt. I mean, there were things that led up to the Protestant revolt, such as, you know, uh, not practicing their faith and our prelates and popes being more worldly than they should have been. But the Protestant revolt was what to set the wheels in motion. You know, worldly popes, you know, um, if they're orthodox, their worldliness causes scandal amongst those who are pious and devout, but it, it doesn't set the seeds of destruction. I mean, it kind of does, but... Um, and by the way, this following quote is from Bishop Sanborn, and I've heard it referenced, so... A, by another set of a contest podcaster, no less. Which, once again, you know, you don't have to take my word for it. It's out there. Bishop Sanborn said, and I'm pretty sure it was in his, uh, he was giving some, uh, he's, he runs a seminary in addition to a church, and he was teaching his seminarians about the history of the Catholic Church, and he said that in his belief that the Protestant revolt was in divine punishment for the sins and failings, not just of the Catholic hierarchy, your priests, your bishops, your popes, but to the laity too. Because the laity had been, you know, turned lukewarm and corrupt. So I just wanted to get that out there. But a set of accountants slash true Catholic 
um, should be aware that modernity didn't start in 1965. It didn't start in 1865. Modernity started when I want to say it was the Council of Worms after the Protestant Revolt when Christendom had basically been split up when the seeds were planted in the minds of some Catholics that, well, Christendom isn't worth fighting for, Catholicism isn't worth fighting for, let's just get along to go along. That's when modernism, and that goes, that, that's when modernism started. And, you know, it bears repeating, because I've said this, that, Modernism is not a time. It, it's not a time. It's a mindset. Now, you could claim, and I'm not picking on females. I'm just using this as my most obvious example. If you're a female and you're a feminist, but you're claiming to be a traditional Catholic, you're a modernist. Because unlike today's society... Traditional Catholicism still has um, a specific role for wives and mothers and young ladies for that matter. But if you're a feminist and you're, you're, you're thinking that, oh, well, you know, uh, I, I don't have to do what my husband says and I don't have to be obedient and blah, 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 blah. You're a modernist. It's that simple. Like I said, I'm not picking on the ladies. The guys have their own share. You know, I, we all do, actually. I do, too. I never exempt myself from anything I've ever discussed on any of these podcasts. I've gotten away from this, but it bears repeating. I think that these pod, uh, these episodes are as much for my benefit as they are for everyone else's benefit. Anyway, to get back to the, the topic at hand. If your soul is corrupted, then you're going to lose the spiritual battle. And not only are you going to lose the spiritual battle, but, and by the way, here's the thing. In the spiritual battle, if you lose, you don't get occupied by enemy forces for a set amount of time and then they go away. You go to hell for eternity. But once again, a lot of people treat God, his blessed mother, Satan, Heaven and hell like abstractions. Which, while I'm on the topic real fast, and I, I've mentioned this in a previous episode, when the Protestants say, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus, being former Protestant and Vatican II, I can attest to this, all... Um, 
the Vatican II sect members would try to be all clever and say, Oh, I take your body, soul, blood, soul, and divinity every day at the altar. Ha <laughs> ha! That's, that's, a, that's a misapprehension of the, what, what the purpose of the Eucharist is. The Eucharist is meant to strengthen you spiritually, to fortify you spiritually, so that you can continue to fight as a good soldier of Jesus Christ and his blessed mother that you are called to be. It's not meant to be a glib one-liner to use against Protestants, who, by the way, another old concept, just because they're Protestant does not mean that they don't say truth every once and again. Part of the spiritual battle is uniting your will, your will with our Lord and his blessed mother. And in order to do that, it needs to be personal. It can't be abstract. It can't be a cold intellectual exercise. It has to be personal. Now, a lot of people, and I got to admit, I'm guilty. Well, once again, another disclaimer. I'm not exempting myself from anything I'm talking about. A lot of people hear that and they think, oh, they're talking about a lovey-dovey, you know, uh, shallow, emotional, you know, um, Uh, relationship, you know, the kind you would have with a fellow human being. I've said this ad nauseum, your relationship with God has nothing to do with um, emotions. Traditional Catholic teaching teaches this. The first, St. Thomas Aquinas himself said this, to assent to God is to, I'm probably massacring the quote, but is to assent to reality because God is the author of reality. And then once you make that realization, the second step is uniting your will with his. There's nothing emotional about it. And the reason why the Protestants are wrong outside the blatant heresies is because they're speaking from the flawed understanding. They're they're speaking truth. They just don't realize it. Because when they say a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, they're talking about um, an emotional. You know, I've I've been I've been a, a member of some Protestant churches where if you weren't running up and down the aisles, waving your hands, screaming at the top of your lungs, the pastor and some of your fellow Protestants might think that, well. Something wrong with that boy. He seems a little cold. He ain't on fire for God. I'm not kidding. And by the way, this isn't a slam on Protestants. It isn't. Nothing I do is a slam. 
Now, I do realize I kind of used a mocking tone and a mocking accent. Um, once again, I don't claim to be a saint, but if I've offended anyone, please, please forgive me. Anyhow, um, but a personal relationship with God in, in the traditional Catholic sense is, is number one, realizing that being being a true Catholic is it's not a right. It's a privilege. And it really is. That's basically what the concept of grace is. That you were privileged to receive something that you weren't entitled to. Um... But in addition to having the understanding that it's a privilege to be a true Catholic, because it's a privilege, it comes with responsibilities. Now, there are some rights that go along with the responsibility because our, our God is a just God. But I think the concept of the intending responsibilities that come with being a true Catholic, once again, I don't think gets talked about enough. I don't. Now, am I claiming that I'm aware of every set of contest priest who gives a sermon or a homily? No, I'm not. I'm just saying I've consumed a lot of content. My own priest, I'll, I'll leave him out of this because actually my priest is pretty pisoned about his, in his own right. And if I could even achieve half of what he's achieved, I'll, I'll know I'm making some progress in my own spiritual life. But anyway, um. There are intending duties that come with being a true Catholic. And this all boils down to, you know, there, there's a reason that some of the saints' books on the spiritual life are literally entitled Spiritual Combat. And that's another thing that people get twisted. They think that, oh, spiritual combat. Um, I'm fighting demons. Ah. If you don't recognize that, well, I don't know if I gave this disclaimer, so I'm going to give it now. Once again, these are just my theories. One of the things I've had a hard lesson in is that I've got more, and I'm speaking personally from my own experience, I've got more to fear from my own sins, my own carnality, than I do any demon. And it's true. You know, and it's funny too, because back in the day when I was a pagan, I remember how my fellow pagans would run around, you can't claim the devil made you do it. 
once again broke clock. They're right. You're not, you know, your main enemy is not demons. No, get me wrong. The demons aren't sitting on their thumbs waiting for you to, you know, do something. As I said in multiple episodes, you are your own worst enemy. I'm my own worst enemy. But I have more to fear for myself than anything that, you know, uh, Satan's, uh, Satan's general could ever throw at me. And... You know, just like with the virtues, God helps us to grow in the virtues. If you're given over to your own personal sins, like I said, you know, the demons aren't sitting on their thumbs. They're not. So if you, and heaven help you, if if you are enslaved to any sin, well, the demons are going to help you to grow in those sins. Let's just say you like to drink or use drugs to, you know, excess. You get drunk. You get high. And let's just say you you keep making multiple, multiple um, vows. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop... Demons aren't going to, oh, well, he said he's going to stop. Let's let God and the angels and the saints help him out. No, they're going to, they're going to help try to reinforce your, you know, the sin that you, and let's be honest on the nature of sin. Habitual sin is nothing more than something that, you, you know, that is spiritually illegal that you don't want to give up. And I, I don't want to turn this into a whole thing. Your mind is the seat of the will. Your mind is the seat of the will. So if, if your mind is corrupted, your will's going to be corrupted. Take it for what it's worth. Like I said, just my thoughts. You know, I'm, I'm not claiming to be the next Pope. Pius the Thirteenth, or for that matter, the next Saint Thomas Aquinas, or actually any of the saints, I'm not fit to kiss their shoes. But if 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 you allow your mind to be overthrown, like the um, like the uh outer institutions of the Catholic Church, even with the best intentions, I mean, and when I say intentions, I'm talking uh, conscience attention, uh, intentions. I'm talking conscious intentions. If you're you're, you're, you're not going to win. You're, you're defeated before you even begin. Just a quick aside. I've got to do this because um, I, I, if I don't get it out now, I'm going to forget. But 
when when Saint Joan of Arc, because you got to remember, she was a saint, a soldier, and a diplomat. She was a saint, obviously, but she was also a soldier who gave advice because she was a seventeen-year-old female. She gave advice to the guys actually leading the troops. And she was a diplomat in the sense that she was the go-between between God and the French king at that time. I, I can't remember the name of the French king. It doesn't matter. So she was speaking on two levels. She, she's talking about the natural level. And she's talking about the spiritual level. level. But being a saint, I'm almost willing to bet that she understood implicitly that the soul is, is um, if the soul's corrupted, then your thinking's going to be corrupted. Once again, just a theory, not claiming infallibility. Um, but on a natural level, if I'm saying on a natural, not even on a spiritual, if a, if a, if a general is lacking in confidence, intelligence, uh, cunning, uh, strategy, tactics. If he's lacking in any of those areas, and those are just a few off the top of my head, then he's going to lose the battle before he's even... And the forces could be evenly matched. In, in actual natural combat, there are two factors that make the difference. The morale of the troops, because there have been cases in history of troops that were, as they say in the military, green and raw, didn't know what the heck they were doing, but because they had high morale, they ended up beating forces that were better trained and better equipped. But the second aspect is, the leadership. And the leadership, just as another quick aside, you know, Harry Truman, being the good Mason that he is, had a sign on his desk saying, the buck stops here. Now, because Henry Truman was a Mason, I'm sure that he had that sign on there for propaganda purposes. Because honestly, there was a lot of crap that he did while he was president he didn't, the buck didn't stop with him. But the concept in and of itself is correct. Broke clock and all that. Leadership starts at the top. If you are modeling the virtues of leadership, it's going gonna, it's gonna to trickle down. 
not just to the colonels, the majors, the lieutenants, the sergeants, and the corporals, and the troops, or, I'm sorry, not just to them, but the troops as well. Because people being people, if they see a good example, once again, people being people depends on the person, but most people, if they see a good example, they want to model themselves after it. But um, once again, that, that goes back to battles being won and lost in the mind. And I, I know I said this in the first, the first part, it bears repeating. Spiritual clarity is the key. And when I say spiritual clarity, now because we're flawed, failed human beings in and of themselves, in, in and of ourselves, I should say, um... Are we going to be perfect? No. But we should make the attempt to clean out our soul as best as we are able to clarify our spiritual thinking. Because clarity of soul, and I'm, I, I, I'm definitely going to claim this one, clarity of soul, or you know, more clarity of soul, helps you... Clarity of um, uh, clarify your mind, both spiritually and naturally. Now, once again, take it for what it's worth. But um, you. Um, one of the things I've noticed, and this is about as deep as I'm going to get about personal things. One of the things I've noticed is, is that, um, if your soul, oh, I'm sorry, given my own sins, venial and all that, and mortal. Um, I'm absolutely convinced that I've got deep-seated stuff going on that I'm totally unaware of. I am totally unaware of. And that's um, part of... Part of uh, Part of fighting a war, you have to have good intelligence. Am I saying it's the be-all, end-all? No, it's not. You have to have good intelligence. You can't... Thank you, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus. I'm going to circle back to this. That's another thing that absolutely drives me crazy, even amongst people who consider themselves true Catholics. They want to seed, they, they, they want to fight on the enemy's terms. A good general doesn't fight on the enemy's terms. He makes 
The other guy fight on his terms. I'll give you an example. Um, and by the way, this, this didn't start with Vatican II. It didn't start with Vatican II. I've, I've heard some set of say, uh, act along these lines. And I've read writings of pre-Vatican II um, Catholics who have done this. You know, when, when I say your vocabulary or verbiage matters when you're dealing with things spiritual, that's not me being hyperbolic. That's not me being a cranky old man. That's God's honest truth. Because to use the most blatant example I can, when I hear said Vacantis call the Vatican II sect, Catholics, that's seeding ground to the enemy. They are literally giving our enemy. Now, by the way, too, an enemy doesn't have to have a hostile intent. An enemy is anybody who, who's opposed to you spiritually and intellectually. And, you know, obviously, in some cases... It, in the physical realm too. But if you're calling Vatican II sect members Christians, or I'm sorry, well, Christians or Catholics, you're ceding ground to them. Now, if you're saying it, then that means you're thinking it. If you're thinking it, then that means... That, that's just confirmation that in your mind, you know, for whatever reason, people are people, but you're, eh, it doesn't matter. It does matter. A lot of, a lot of set of accountants are under the impression that spiritual indifferentism is just when you say, well, Protestants, Muslims, Hindus, Jews, uh, Vatican II said, we're, we're all, we're all God, you know, uh, we're, we, we're all believe in God. That's, that's one aspect of spiritual indifferentism. That's one aspect. The deeper aspect is, if if you understand intellectually that no, some are pagan. Well, actually, technically, they're all pagans. So if you intellectually understand, well, some are honest pagans and the other ones are heretical pagans. But you say to yourself, Oh, it's the fight's not worth it. It's too much trouble to to go to take the extra time to do it. You've already lost the battle. You've already lost the battle in your mind. Every if you consider yourself a true Catholic, everything you do matters. It absolutely matters. Don't have to like it. 
It does. That's part of diligence. Is acting as if everything you say, do, and act matters. Uh. Anyhow. Um. But, uh. You don't want to see ground to your enemy. You know, and it, it, now am I, am I saying that if you have Vatican II or Protestant neighbors, you shun them? Of course not. Because at the end of the day, we're all God's children. However, however, it is up to the ones that have the true knowledge to try to lead their, some will be ignorant, others will be hostile. But if, if, they're, if they're hostile to, to, the, to the truth, pray for them. It's that simple, pray for them. And don't be autistic, well, I pray for blah, 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 blah. No, just say, dear Lord Jesus and Mother Mary, please convert, the lukewarm and the non-believers, because at the end of the day, they're non-believers. But I've covered that ad nauseum. That's all you have to do. You know, let me let me throw this out real fast. I've said this on multiple occasions too. I don't consider myself any better. And I, you know, on this episode alone, I've mentioned it at least once that some of the things that I talk about on both my podcasts, I've been guilty of myself, if not presently in the past. But I know, I shouldn't say I know personally, but I've heard some set of a contest. When it, when it comes to tactics and strategy in warfare, and I'm talking physical, they know the ins and outs. But are blatantly, I mean blatantly ignorant with the principles of the spiritual warfare. And I understand their ignorance is because they're compartmentalizing. They don't realize that the rules of physical warfare correspond to the rules of spiritual warfare. Because as good moderns, we compartmentalize stuff. Well, that's 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 the physical warfare. Spiritual warfare, totally different, totally different. No, it isn't. Everything that happens on this earth is a dim reflection of God's kingdom. If if you don't if you don't learn this lesson, I am truly sorry for you. I truly am. Okay, so I'm gonna give a closing remark and then close out. I think I've covered 
what I need to cover. And if not, God will help me out. God and his blessed mother. Um, <sighs> Sorry, I'm just trying to get my thoughts together. So... Oh, thank you, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus. One other aspect I want to get to. Just like in the natural realm, let's just say that there's a squad or a platoon fighting another squad of platoon of their enemies on a personal level. There's a larger war going on around them. It's the same thing in the spiritual battle. While you're fighting your own self, your own self, and, you know, whatever, well, that, that's, that's the one thing I want to hammer home on this. Your, your battle, I mean, in a indirect way, you are fighting demons, but your major battle is against yourself. But on a personal level, while you're fighting yourself, there's a larger spiritual battle going on around us. And I would say the difference between, say, like a buck private in a squad and his sergeant is that the sergeant sees the larger picture. The difference between a sergeant and the lieutenant is the lieutenant sees a bigger part of the picture and it just moves up the chain. But to make it as basic and simple as I can before I close out, I'm going to say, um, you're fighting on a personal level against yourself, but while you're doing this, there's a larger spiritual battle. Now, If we had more people engaged in the spiritual battle, then I would dare say that um, there would be some improvement within the set of a contest slash true Catholic movement. And who knows, maybe in the world itself. But as long as we take this individualistic, quite frankly, uh, it, modernist attitude of number one, what's in it for me, but number two, um, I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to go my own way. Um, unless it's God's will, we're probably going to lose. Because on an individual level, the fighting spirit of the individual soldier does help, you know, win or lose a battle. But if the soldiers themselves are not united around a common cause and they're disciplined and, 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 and following orders and stuff, then they're they're not they're not an army. 
They're not an army. They're, they're a rabble. That's the difference between an army and a rabble. A rabble is a group of individuals doing their own thing. An army is disciplined and under leadership. And one last thing before I do close out. I know there's... Oh, I listen to my priest. I listen to my bishop. Okay. You do realize that there's... is you, You're absolute... If you're a true Catholic, you absolutely listen to your priest and bishop, but it doesn't end there. Just like a buck private in a squad, his his duty toward the mission does not end, end with his sergeant or his platoon leader. He's, he's for the larger goals of his army. So yes, he listens to his lieutenant and his sergeant when they're in the heat of battle, of course. But a good soldier emphasis on the word good, understands that there's a larger goal in mind and he's working toward that goal. Now, as a buck private in an infantry squad, is him and his squad going to go march to the enemy's capital on their own? No. But they know that they're working toward that goal. And Lord willing, they're working with like-minded individuals. So, this is a good place to end. I really thank you for your time and patience. I, I wasn't really sure how long this episode would last. Hopefully, people will be able to, to focus. I really appreciate your time and patience. Um... I pray for everyone, and I'd like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. But before, before you can accept the graces that are given to you, you have to be able to recognize the graces when they are given to you. I mean, you literally have to know, oh, this is a grace before anything else can happen. Thank you for listening. Have a good day. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you.
Oh, 